0: Well, hello, my friends. Welcome to Hope for Your Heart. This is Pastor Calvin Corbett, and it's Friday. I love Friday. It's my second favorite day of the week. As I always tell you on the Friday broadcast, it's Friday, but Sunday's coming. Good Friday was not really a great Friday because it was a dark day. It was the day that Jesus died. But on Easter Sunday, he rose again. Well, I'm so happy today that it is Friday, and I'm looking forward to sharing with you on the subject of how to eliminate the crud in your life. C-R-U-D. And each letter stands for something in our lives that we should get rid of, right? And uh, we all carry crud around in our lives. You know, crud gets into your engine, and it causes your engine to be sluggish and to wear down, and that's why you gotta constantly change your oil. You know, one time I had an old van... And uh, when I was a young person, I was not very good at maintaining my vehicles. I would just run them and uh, if something broke I'd get it fixed, but I didn't do any kind of a preventative maintenance on my vehicle at all. Well, one day I'm driving my Honda Odyssey van down the highway. I'm on interstate 95 I'm up there by Fredericksburg, and all of a sudden. Uh, the engine light comes on, the uh, The engine starts knocking. And then I see this smoke coming out of the back of my car. And then all of a sudden the van just, it just stalls, right? And so I drift over to the breakdown lane. Uh, me and my wife and my five kids are packed in this minivan and we are broke down on the side of the road. And here we are stuck, right? And so I had a tow truck come and had somebody come pick us up, and uh, you know, it kind of ruined our trip. And uh, we spent uh, a night there in Fredericksburg. And the mechanic uh, looked at my van, and uh, you know, the first thing he said to me after he looked over my van, he says, um, "When's the last time you changed your oil?" I said, "Changed the oil." I said, "I don't remember the last time I changed the oil." He said, "Well, that's the problem. You done blown your engine, and uh, because this oil in here is so old." Uh, that it's no longer doing what it's supposed to do. He says, your engine has ceased. That's all great. Well, I got rid of that van and I learned my lesson. I learned that it's easier to pay for an oil change than it is to pay for an engine change. And so maybe you got some crud in your life and that uh, you need to get rid of that crud. Well, letter C stands for, we need to eliminate crud beginning with letter C. We need to get rid of complaining. We tend To complain too much. And now first John chapter one, it says the message that we have heard from him, we declare to you, is that God is light, in him there is no darkness. If we claim to have fellowship with him and yet walk in darkness, we lie and we do not live out the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is the light, We have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus Christ, His Son, purifies us from sin. If we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves. The truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just and will forgive us of our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. Now, if we claim that we have not sinned, we make Him out to be a liar, and His Word is not in us. So there's two things that I take away. From 1 John 1 5 through 10. Uh, Number one is that the original me lived in darkness. I was frustrated and uh, I was uh, walking in darkness. I was living a life of lying and deception. I could not live out the truth because the original me was in darkness. But then there's the changed me. The original me was dark, but the changed me is light. If we claim to have fellowship with Him, We walk in darkness. If we claim to have fellowship with Him and yet walk in darkness, we lie. But if we walk in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus Christ. So if I've been changed, I have seen the light, there's some things that I'm going to have to eliminate. Number one, I'm going to have to eliminate complaining. You know, the word complain in the New Living Translation Bible appears 73 times, It appears 10 times in the book of Numbers. Now, no other book in the Bible uses that word complain that many times. So let's look at what is happening in the book of Numbers. In Numbers, we discover, chapter number 14, that Moses is dealing with some people that love to complain. Well, let's pick up the story Numbers, chapter 14. It says that the people fell to grumbling all over their hard life. God heard. When he heard, his anger flared. The fire blazed up and burned the outer boundaries of the camp. The people cried out for help to Moses. Moses prayed to God and the fire died down. And the name of that place is Tabarah, which means blaze, because the fire from God had blazed upon them. Wow, this is quite a passage, isn't it? I guess God doesn't like it when we grumble and complain. In Matthew chapter 11, verse 16, Jesus says, what can I compare this generation to? He says, you like children playing in the square, and they're always complaining to their friends. Did you know that complaining actually invites God's judgment upon our lives? Yeah, yeah. Uh, this is not me saying this. Just what James says. James 5, 9 says, don't grumble against one another, because if you do, you will be judged. The judge is standing at the door. Well, obviously that's talking about God as we're complaining against one another, grumbling against one another. God is waiting to judge us, and, and we're actually inviting that judgment upon our lives. Paul even says further in First Corinthians chapter 10, we should not test the Lord as some of them did, as they were killed by snakes, and we should not grumble like they did, and they were killed by the destroying angel. These things happened to them as examples, and they were written down as warnings for us on whom the fulfillment of the ages has come. So there's two passages that remind us, as we complain, we're inviting God's judgment upon our lives. Kind of reminds me of when I was being raised by my mom and dad who loved the Lord. Sometimes we as children would spend a lot of time complaining. I remember one time I complained so much to my dad, my dad finally got sick and tired of it. He says, i tell you what, he says, you got a lot to complain about. If you don't stop your complaining, I'm going to give you something really to complain about. And he was going to apply that board of education to the seat of learning. I think my dad's favorite verse was from the book of Proverbs that says, foolishness is bound into the heart of a child, but the rod of correction drives it far from him. He understood this one way to get rid of a grumbling, complaining spirit, and that was to chastise that. You know, God takes grumbling and complaining seriously. You know, when we complain too much, it tears down others. In Ephesians chapter 4, Paul tells us that we ought not to let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building up others according to their needs that it may benefit those who listen. As we think about how we can build up others— Whenever unwholesome talk comes out of our mouths, and whenever we complain to others, we're actually tearing them down. You know, Apple Incorporated set off a frenzy of activity on September the 19th of 2014, when the iPhone 6 and 6 Plus hit the market. Now, I don't know if you are old enough to remember this. Almost 10 years ago now, nine ten years ago, people lined up in stores for hours all over the country, hoping to purchase the iPhone before it sold out. In Austin, Texas, workers from Teardown.com lined up to buy three devices. Then they went back to their company offices where engineers began to tear them apart, and they took them apart piece by piece. The QuickTour report was shared with Teardown.com's clients who included technical manufacturers and financial advisors looking for market trends. The resellers who want to know how much each individual part costs. Attorneys use the reports for patent infringement cases, and engineering teams study them for design ideas. And over the past 15 years, Teardown.com has broken down more than 2,000 products, including tablets and digital cameras and camcorders and notebooks and and PCs and gaming consoles. Every product the company has dismantled, dating back to that first digital music player and GPS devices is stored away in the company's morgue. Now, sadly, some people make it their primary business to tear down things and to tear down people rather than building them up. This ought not to be the case for the believer. We are told that we should use our words to build one another up and not to tear them down. You see, tearing down others is never a way to build up yourself. We discovered something else about complaining. Did you know that complaining actually steals my joy? In 1 Thessalonians 5 verse 16 through 18, it says, Rejoice always. Pray continuously. Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. When I'm not doing these things, I lose my joy. As I give thanks in all situations, I am actually built up. And so today, why don't you take the challenge? that I'm going to be gracious and not complaining. I'm going to have grace in mind all day. Today, I'm going to be gracious to everyone I come in contact, my dog and my cat and my kids and my boss and my spouse. Nothing's going to steal my joy because I choose to be filled with joy. I choose to be gracious, thankful, and not complaining. There's something else about complaining. It tears down. It steals my joy but complaining also reduces my blessings. And this is a passage that kind of woke me up. In Numbers chapter 13 and 14, we discover that God is dealing with his people who are complaining again. Numbers 14, verse 20, the Lord replied, I have forgiven them. Remember, Moses intercedes on behalf of his people, asking God to forgive them, not to destroy them. But yet he says, nevertheless, As surely as I live, and as surely as the glory of the Lord fills the whole earth, not one of these who saw my glory and the signs that I performed in Egypt and in the wilderness, but who disobeyed me and tested me 10 times, not one of them will ever see the land that I promised on an oath to their ancestors. Why? Because they complained too much. They didn't trust God. No one who has treated me with contempt. Will ever see it. But because my servant Caleb has a different spirit and follows me wholeheartedly, I will bring him into the land he went to, and his descendants will inherit it. Do you get what happened? The people of Israel were freed from Egyptian bondage, they spent 40 years wandering around in the wilderness. And they complained, and they complained, and they complained. When Moses sends the spies into the land, into the land of Canaan, instead of trusting God that God was going to bring them victory, they complained that they were going to be annihilated by the enemy. They complained so much that finally God said, You have tested me one too many times. You've disobeyed me and tested me ten times, and as a result, you will not see the promised land. You're not going to be a recipient of the promised land that I was going to give to you because you complained. You know, complaining is a major violation of God's word. In the book of Philippians chapter 2, Paul says, make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit, one in mind. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, rather in humility. Value others above yourself, not looking to your own interest, but each of you to the interest of others. You see it's a rare person who, when his cup frequently runs over, can thank God instead of complaining about the limited size of his mug. I want you to know complaining needs to be eliminated from your life. We complain too much, but number two, as we look at the crud that needs to be eradicated from our lives. We tend to remember the wrong things. Well, let's go back to Numbers chapter 11. We learn in verses 4 through 6 that the misfits, that is the rabble, that's the disorganized, lowlife who are power hungry, right? The rabble among the people had this craving, and soon they had the people of Israel whining. Why can't we have meat? We ate fish in Egypt and we got it free to say nothing of the cucumbers and the melons and and the leeks and the onions and the garlic but nothing tastes good out here all we get is manna 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 i want you to know that we are commanded in Deuteronomy 6:12 to be careful that you do not forget the Lord who brought you out of the land of Egypt out of that land of slavery you see they remembered the wrong things They remembered the fish and the food that they ate, but they didn't remember that they were in Egyptian bondage. They didn't remember that they were slaves. The reason they were provided this food is because they couldn't provide it for themselves. They couldn't uh, earn an income. They worked for Egypt, and they thought Egypt was treating them well by making sure they get fed, but they had no freedom. Let me tell you something about how you remember. What I focus on, I eventually become. In Philippians chapter one, Paul says, I thank my God every time I remember you. In all my prayers for you, I always pray for you with joy because of the partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. I remember you, Paul says. Every time I think about you, I remember you. I pray for you because you're partners with me in the gospel. You know, as I drive around Hampton Roads, I've got to meet many of the pastors in the greater Hampton Roads area. You know, every time I drive by their church, I do what Paul does. I said, Lord, I thank you for this pastor. I thank you for this church, that they're being a lighthouse in our community. Every time I remember them, I thank them. And sometimes I'll shoot that pastor a text and say, hey, I just drove by your church, and I just want you to know that I'm praying for you, and I'm thankful for you. Now, I didn't learn that trick by my own uh, intuition. I'm following the example of Paul. Paul tells us in Philippians 4, 8, finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Listen, our lives are so short. You know, how long do you think people are going to remember you? How long can most famous people expect to be remembered? Did you know even famous people? Between five and 30 years, they're forgotten. That's kind of a sad commentary, right? We spend all of our lives trying to impress people, and within a very short time, they forget all about us. I want you to know that when you do a work for God and you are lifting up others, you will have all of eternity for them to remember what you have done for them. Well, how we remember it will determine the level of our joy. I want to use a New Testament passage. I love the Christmas story. I know it's Easter, not Christmas. But in Luke chapter 2, we discover that the shepherds and Simon have a special message for Mary. Let me just read it to you, okay? Luke chapter 2, verse 33. The child's father and mother marveled at what he had said about him. Then Simon blessed them and said to Mary, his mother, This child is destined to cause the falling and the rising of many in Israel and to be a sign that will be spoken against. So the thoughts of many hearts will be revealed and a sword will pierce your own soul too. You see, here the angel reminds Mary, Simeon reminds Mary that this child. Jesus was going to bring joy, but it was also going to be an element of pain because of what he had to go through to have that joy. The shepherds and, the, and Simeon, they had a special message and they were filled with joy. I bring you glad tidings of great joy that shall be through all people. You see, how we remember determines our level of joy. When memory fails, I want to encourage you, ask the Holy Spirit to help you. In John 14, 26, it says that the advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father was send in my name, get this, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I had said. Aren't you so glad for that? As I get older, it seems like my memory is starting to slip just a little bit. I used to know everybody's name and first name and last name and phone numbers and all that stuff. And, and now I discover that I'm not as sharp in my memory, but I'm so glad to report that the Holy Spirit who teaches me all things can also bring back back to my mind things that He has told me. Thank the Lord for the work of the Holy Spirit. While we tend to complain too much, we tend to remember the wrong things. And that are you, as we spell the word crud, removing crud from our lives, we tend to be ungrateful. Well, let's get back to our Israelite friends in Numbers chapter 11. And we discover that manna was given to them, and manna is a seed-like substance with a shining appearance like a resin. And the people went around collecting it, and they pick it up off the ground, they get it out from between the stones, and, and then they would take it, and they would, you know, make it into a mortar, and, and they would shape it into cakes, and, and they had manna everywhere. But then they started to be unthankful for that manna. They started to complain and it says, Lord, uh, we need some meat too, not just uh, manna, we need some meat, we want some meat. And so they were ungrateful for the manna and God blesses them, okay? But being ungrateful, did you know that it releases, gratefulness releases us from toxic emotions. As we are grateful for things, it lifts our spirit. Did you know that ungratefulness is actually a sign of the times? One of the reasons I know that we're getting toward the end of human history is because I see a significant increase. In thanklessness, ungratefulness. 2 Timothy three, 3.2 says, But people will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boastful, proud, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy. Ingratitude. Ingratitude is a result of evil. Romans chapter 1 talks about that. Gratitude is God's will. 1 Thessalonians 5.18, a verse that I've memorized a long time ago. Give thanks in all situations or all circumstances, for this is the will of God for you in Christ Jesus. Well, I've got to give you one final thing. We have got to get rid of complaining. We've got to eliminate from our lives remembering the wrong things. We've got to stop being ungrateful. And then last, we tend to doubt. We need to eradicate doubt. In Numbers chapter 11, we discover that the people began to doubt Moses. And they were beginning to go against Moses. Even though God had used Moses, God says to Moses, I want you to know that I've taken care of these people, but they're now at the point that they doubt that I can take care of them. You know, doubt is a terrible thing. The Lord will take care of you. You see, as long as you have faith, there's going to be a certain level of doubt, but that faith drives that doubt out. You know, I have a twenty dollar bill in my pocket. Suppose I ask for a volunteer who believes me, and and a few hands will go out and say, "Do I have a twenty dollar in my bill in my pocket?" Yes. And then I tell them that I'm going to destroy their faith. And so, how am I going to destroy their faith? I open my hand, and I show a twenty dollar bill, and the reason I can say I'm destroying his faith is that that now he knows i hold the bill he sees the bill and doesn't need faith anymore before he could see it he had to have the faith to believe that i had it when it was in my pocket he couldn't see it when it was closed up in my hand he couldn't see it now faith is required when we have doubts when we do not know for sure when knowledge comes faith is no more sometimes a person is tempted to think, I can't become a Christian because I still have doubts. I'm still not sure. But as long as doubts exist, as long as the person is still uncertain, that is the only time faith is needed. When doubts are gone, the person doesn't need faith anymore. Knowledge has come. Now, we see that poor reflection, Paul says, confusion and doubts and questions, but then one day we're going to see the Lord face to face. Now, we don't see him face to face yet. He says, now I know in part with questions and doubts, but then I shall fully know even as I am known. That's 1 Corinthians thirteen twelve. So I want you to know that a certain amount of doubt is to be expected because we walk by faith, not by sight. But doubt will overwhelm us when we stop reading the Word. Romans 10, 17. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. Doubt will overwhelm us when we stop praying. Daniel prayed and his faith increased. Doubt will overwhelm us when we stop obeying. Jeremiah says, Call upon me and I will answer you and I will give you great and unsearchable things that you don't know. So I want to encourage you today. Get rid of some crud in your life. Trust the Lord, and He will give you the desires of your heart. Thank you so much for listening today. Have a great weekend. If you'd like to hear this broadcast again, you can have a free download at buzzsprout.com backslash 1890557, or you can listen on Amazon, Spotify, Google Podcast, and Apple Podcast.